0: We are in our gospel project, and we've been preaching through the Bible, Genesis through Revelation. We're in the letters to God's people, and uh, just so you know, uh, I've always said I preach... Uh, The word, no matter what's up, and then to come to a passage like today where we're going to preach to you about pastors. I'm like, I don't want to. I don't want to preach to our people about what pastors are supposed to be like. It seems uh, self-gratifying or it seems self-focused, but I I had to keep reminding myself we don't just throw things away that we're not comfortable with. We preach the word, right? That's the key. And so this morning we're going to be talking about two things, but it's all underneath the, the heading of our big idea which is we must obey his word, both pastor and people, both you and me. We, we follow God's word, and we try to do that. As a church, we try to follow what does God's word say. And, and we might not always agree. You might not always agree with us, but you need to know and have confidence in when we meet as your leaders, the elders meet, and we go over things. We don't just vote by popular opinion. We, we take it back to what does the word say. And we follow what does the word say. I, I, I want to say this, and it was an a, a anonymous note that was given to us. And sometimes we get those, and there's nothing we can do about anonymous notes. So uh, the best we can do is when it, it's covered in a passage, I might refer to the question that was asked. There was a question that was asked uh, during the last time we voted over leadership. Uh, somebody had some concerns, and they, they mentioned that while well, you follow Scripture when you talk about this, but then you did this, and you're obviously not following God's word. Well, when, when anybody says that, I want to take you back to the understanding. We think we are following God's word. That just means you and I don't see the same thing. But don't ever assume that we pick and choose what to follow. Uh, specifically the issue was number one about women in leadership and we've looked at passages and we've studied it we took a long time and we do not currently have ladies serving on our elder board or our deacon board there are churches that do and i'm not condemning them it's my responsibility and the elder's responsibility to look in the word what does it say how does it teach it and follow that trust me when i say having an unpopular view is it's hard the only thing i stand on We we go to the word and and as best we can understand it, we'll do what it says, even if it's unpopular. So that was pointed out in that note, an anonymous letter. Why do you do this? And then you did this. And, And specifically, the question was, we had people that are divorced that are serving on our deacon board. And at times, there are people that have been divorced or in a second marriage that are on our elder board. We don't just throw away the passage. We look at the passage and we truly read the passage in scripture that teaches an elder or a deacon must be, and this is how the translation should be construed, a one-woman type of man, a a one-woman-at-a-time guy. And yes, we have men that serve on our leadership board that have had a past marriage. But what do we look at? We look at a new life in Christ. If they were saved after that happened, they're a new person, a new creation. And time must go on for us then to determine that we have a lifetime of evidence showing that this person, while they might have made a mistake in their past, is born again, brand new, and living a different life. And it's clear that they're a one-woman type of man. Obviously, Scripture doesn't say you can only have one wife or somebody who is widowed, lost their wife, and got remarried would be, you know, exempt from ministry. So it's not that. Obviously, we look at scripture and we try to understand it for what it teaches. So when we see and hear that people are questioning, why do you do that when you don't do this? Well, please understand, we might read it differently and understand it differently, but your elders are trying to follow the word. We're trying to follow the word. So never assume we pick and choose. That that would be wrong. And you shouldn't do that. Don't, Don't assume that we're just disobeying when we don't want to obey. Because if that were the case, folks, there's a lot of things I'd be doing differently because I want to, but that's not what guides us. This guides us. This guides us. And, and it's also beautiful that we can disagree, isn't it? Amen? Have we lost that in 2020? I think we have. I think social media has helped us lose that ability to disagree, and that's a shame. We should be able to disagree. But at the same time that you disagree, you should put your trust in those that you've put into the leadership roles. I know that's hard. I know that's hard. I had somebody who was very upset at me early on in this corona thing saying we never should have shut our doors. We never should have shut our doors. And you can have that opinion, but I have a responsibility. We shut the doors out of love, not fear, out of love, concern for others, we shut the doors down. And then we gradually, with thoughtfulness, went through phases. And we walked through phases quickly, by the way. Um, I was talking about our church meeting this morning and a church that I was previously at started getting on their pastor like, see, Don's having church. Uh, Well, we haven't church inside because Don's having church. I quickly responded. Oh, no, 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 no. That's what we're doing for us. You do what your church does. That's the proper Approach to this whole thing. I had somebody who was very angry at me, and they ended up leaving the church, saying, "You should never have closed the doors." I don't agree with that. I'm against our governor. I'm against the government. We should go against the governor. We should do this, and then uh, I, I responded kindly, and, and he came back with another thing about saying, "Well, uh, the governor says this, and you're doing this, and they're doing this, and we're doing that, and da, da, da. who do I listen to? Who do I follow?" And I wrote back a really simple email. I said, "Simple, your elders." Period. I'm not saying you have to agree with us, but your elders made a choice, the choice was made, and so we move forward. We move forward. That's the right we can disagree. But we move forward trusting those that are put into leadership, and that's hard, I understand. But I say all of that so you know, as Oakwood, you should have confidence. Whether you think we're right or wrong, we go to this, amen? We can agree on that, right? We can go to this, God's word. It is the final stopping point. It's the starting point. It is what we rest upon. It's hard to be a leader. Are any of you leaders of anything? Owners of anything? It's hard to be a leader. Not saying we're perfect, but I have confidence that we do our best based on what God's word says. So this morning, that's what we're going to talk about. We, everybody say we. We. We must obey His Word. God's Word. It is central. It is supreme. It is what we base everything upon. And we're going to turn to 2 Timothy 4. Go ahead and get your Bibles out or a gadget out. 2 Timothy 4, and we're going to talk about the pastor. And then we're going to turn our our Bibles to Titus 2 and talk about the people. We must follow God's Word, obey God's Word, both pastor and people. I would say as you're finding that passage uh, in 2 Timothy 4, Paul is writing, and he's writing to a young pastor named Timothy. He's giving him instruction. Uh, again, I feel awkward doing this, talking about pastors today. Let me give a real, just a really quick defense of pastors we've gone so far i grew up in an environment where pastor was everything he was ceo chief king everything he said you did it was pastor alone okay and that's the pendulum swing that wasn't healthy in churches the pastor as the voice and we've swung the pendulum but can i say anytime you swing the pendulum sometimes they swing too far and i feel terrible that i have to actually give a defense of the role of pastor today I've heard it said that the word pastor is not even in the Bible. Ephesians 4. He gave some to be apostles and pastors. Everybody say pastors. Pastor does exist. Pastor does exist. While the pendulum swung too far and pastors became kings and dictators, I think the pendulum swing too far could also be dangerous. Uh, we, we, We studied a book here not too long ago, and in the book it told our board do not listen to your pastor. I said, what? I mean, the book actually te- taught, don't listen to your pastor. He was, he was basically swinging the pendulum back because the problem was pastors were the only word and he, he was swinging it back. He swung it too far because let me just say from a pastor's point of view, I didn't move all the way over to your side of the state to become one of y'all <laughs> to not have any voice. So the pendulum, you understand what I'm saying, right? Bill, you with me here? I mean, there, there's pastor's king, dictator, and then there's so far that you don't even recognize the person or the role or the office of pastor? That's too far. I love Oakwood. We are an elder-run church. The elder board is the ruling board, which I am just one of. I have a place there, and it's not as dictator king. It's as one of, equal voice of the elders. But then who am I? As the lead pastor, you call me to be the lead pastor. Who am I? Well, I I think I fall in that category of Paul and Timothy, young Titus, who were taught to be pastors over the church. I believe there are multiple elders. That's why I came to Oakwood. I love this governmental style. That church I talked about that I used to be at, the people are barking online. They're congregational-led. They come together and they all get a vote. That's awful. You know what happened? They were 50-50 split. Everybody came in and voted their opinion, and they were 50-50 split. I love the fact that we are elder-led. In other words, you, the people, choose who your leaders are, but then you put your trust in those leaders, and they make choices. Are you with me? I know this is hard stuff to understand, but that's how we are run. I am an elder, just one of the elders, but at the same time, I am your lead pastor, and I don't apologize for that. I don't dictate. I do not have control. We just had an elder meeting this past week and Jim Bongiorno, our chairperson, was out of town. He he called me and he said, Don, would you like to lead that meeting? Constitutionally, I'm not allowed to lead the meetings even. It says in there, the lead pastor shall not lead meetings. A little, you know, again, swung the pendulum too far for safety. I get it. Make sure he doesn't become a dictator. Let's, and so I said, no, Jim, let's ask Jeff to do it. And we got out before nine o'clock, didn't we? Wasn't that great? We got out early because Jeff was in charge. I love it. That is a good thing. It's a positive, a positive thing. I say that to you because I do believe, listen to me, the Bible teaches he gave some to be apostles. He gave some to be pastors. I'm your pastor. I got here and learned pretty quickly that Shane was not uh, elevated to the position I think he should have been. He was seen more as a hireling than a pastor. And I came and said, that's not right. I see what he is. He is a pastor. And and I made him an a Associate pastor of this church, which is a big thing. Ben is assistant pastor. He came in as one of the assistant pastors, but Shane, he's an associate pastor. He's he's shepherding with me. We're not co pastoring this church. I'm the lead. He's the associate, but he is a pastor. Friends, I I just want to let you know, and eyeballs here, I want to make it very clear. Julie and I talk about this all the time. I think God brought me from Battle Creek for two reasons, mainly two reasons. Number one, Pastor Bob was in his final years and i think i came because i had a man over me for 20 years that was wonderful and i wanted to see him finish well and i stayed to watch him finish well and when i got here and met pastor bob it was rough times and i stayed because i i wanted him to finish well and praise god he did i think we elevated him back to the position that he deserved and I noticed second thing that Pastor Shane, I, I thought we needed to do some things and we did that. I came and I hope you realize that anytime I introduce myself, I say I'm PD. I'm one of the pastors here. Do you hear me say that? I, I don't usually call myself lead pastor. I'm doing it today just because I'm teaching, but I don't elevate myself. I want to elevate Pastor Shane to his proper role. I want to elevate Pastor Bob to where he was seen and loved and revered. Those are all positive things. No church will do well if a pastor wants to be king. Do you hear me? No church will do well. If a pastor wants that and he wants to be the only voice, the church will struggle and implode. That's why it's crucial to have a pastor who will humble himself and say, I'm part of a team. Yes, I have title. And yes, I should be understood as lead pastor. But I'm not going to fight for that. I'm not going to go around reminding you of that. Keep it here because... Boy, I I hate the swing of the pendulum when it goes too far the other way. And we have to even say, a pastor exists today. That's not right. Pastors do exist. I'm here. So the Bible in, in Timothy, 2 Timothy 3 Before we get to four, Paul is talking to Timothy and he's talking about his example as pastor, his example. And then an encouragement to Timothy. And it comes down to these verses, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. That's where Paul went at the end of chapter three. Now we're in chapter four. This is God's word. It is central. And it, it is supreme. And it is what we preach out of here at Oakwood. And can I just say this too? We're doing a lot of cleaning up and teaching today you might see me not open this in the pulpit. I want to reassure you it's because my eyes are really bad and I can't read the small print, even with the glasses. But you need to know that what I do is I print it out with very large letters. And so when I'm preaching and I'm reading God's word, I might not have the book. Sometimes I fake. You ever know, did you ever see me fake it? You you got to laugh at it because you're like, yeah, we see where I open it. But then I do this. <laughs> it's, it's simply because my eyes are bad. I had to say that because we're talking about the supremacy of God's word today. And I don't want you to think we don't preach out of this. It's just that your pastor is blind and he needs this. Pastors. Anytime we speak about pastors, you've probably heard this. And I, I think this is really cute, so I'll share it with you too. If someone asked you to describe the work of a pastor, what would you say? Hopefully it wouldn't sound like this compilation. Let me read it to you. The perfect pastor. They preach exactly 20 minutes and then sit down. They condemn sin but hurt nobody's feelings. They work from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. in every type of work from preaching to custodial work. They make $60 per week but wear good clothes, buy good books regularly, have a nice family, drive a good car, and give 30 bucks a week to the church. And also stand ready to contribute to every good work that comes along. They are 26 years old and have been preaching for 30 years. They are tall and short, thin and heavy set, one brown eye, one blue eye, with hair parted in the middle, left side dark and straight, and the right side brown and wavy. They have a burning desire to work with teenagers and spend all of their time with older folks. They're straight-faced with a sense of humor and seriously dedicated to their work. They visit 15 church members a day, spend all the time evangelizing the unchurch, and are never out of the office. Amen? A pastor. Again, I know it's self-serving today, but tongue-in-cheek, we just, I find sometimes you just have to laugh about it. Again, I just point out the pendulum swing. I don't know where we're at today, but, but the pastor. What you need to know is God's word tells me, what I'm supposed to be. And we'll follow that. 2 Timothy 4, are you ready? Let's go for it. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 8. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. So for the pastor, verses 1 through 2a, the charge. Everybody say charge. If you're taking notes, fill the blanks in or click on the little button it'll fill it in for you paul is giving young timothy a charge and this charge is solemn it's serious the role of the pastor is serious look at the words paul uses in the presence of god and jesus christ who will judge the living and the dead the view of his appearing and his kingdom i give you this charge this is serious stuff this is god and jesus This is the judge. This is the one who's going to return. This is the king over the kingdom. It's on this that Paul gives Timothy his charge. It's solemn, and yet it's very simple. Preach the word. He says at the end of of verse 1, I give you this charge. Beginning of verse 2, preach the word. Preach the word. I, I hope you understand that. As your pastor... I rely on and trust on preaching his word. I don't preach to you today's headlines. I don't preach to you politics. Some people have been upset lately because politics has been mentioned. Well, politics is mentioned when the passage recalls for it. And if I see things happening that are out of control and, and need to be addressed, if it's in this word, I'll address it. But we're not going to preach politics here. We preach the word. And whatever the word addresses, that's where we will go. But not the headlines, not what's popular. The word. The word is supreme. This is a great quote. This is what you need to send out. Don't TikTok or something like that. That'll be bad. But go ahead and put it on Pinterest or or whatever else you guys put stuff on. The word of God does the work of God by the spirit of God in the people of God. Did you hear that? The word of God does the work of God by the spirit of God in the people of God. I don't know about you, but that makes me go, phew, it's not all about me. It's about the Word. As a pastor, when I come to preach, I'm not concerned about entertaining. I'm not concerned about your, your uh, excitement or your level. I, I'm glad you don't have little numbers that you hold up. Oh, Pastor, that was an eight. Good job, Pastor. You know, or sometime through it's a two. You know, I'm glad, I'm glad I'm not going for that. Yes, I watch you, and if you're falling asleep, I might try to throw in a story to wake you up a little bit, but what I'm preaching is the Word. The Word. Alistair Begg, pastor in Ohio, love Alistairs from Scotland. I can't do a Scottish accent, so I'll stop now. From Scotland, and uh, he tells a great story about the word. See, he grew up in Scotland, and he said it was so different than here. As a young, as a wee lad, he was growing up there in church, and what would happen is every Sunday, the beetle—not the Beatles—the beetle, I think it's T, not D—the beetle would come out with the big book. big, big mammoth book. And he would walk out solemnly, holding it in his hands. He would walk over to the pulpit, which you would have to walk up a set of stairs, open a door, and go inside the pulpit, which was raised high, the highest point. Why? Because the beetle would then lay down this giant book on the pulpit. And then he'd turn around, he'd leave it, no, he'd open it to the passage that was going to be taught, and leave it there, and then he'd go back. He'd leave the pulpit. He'd go to a door, and as a young boy, he'd watch this, going, "Ooh, there must be something about that book." See, I love that. I mean, wouldn't that be cool? Ben, let's do that from now on. You walk out and put the Bible down, and open it for me, or something. Everybody there knew that what was about to happen had to do with that giant book. The beetle would leave it there. He'd go to a door off to the side. He'd open it and go inside, and he'd come out with the pastor, the minister. He would walk the minister to the pulpit, walk him up the stairs, get him in his pulpit, and then shut the door. I love that analogy. Pastor, shut in. Pastor, shut up. Preach the word. The Beetle put it there and opened it. Man, whatever you do better be about that book. The pastor was shut in, locked in to do his duty. I love that. Putting the emphasis on this God's word. That's what we're all about. Preach the word and the people will have a divine appointment. I believe it's true. I'm thankful to God for that. I don't have to be witty. I don't have to be good looking. I don't have to be anything. I just have to proclaim. Let them have God's word. Last week I got home and we received a wonderful email. This person wrote an email and said, I've never written you before, but I thought I'd just let you know. Since 2016, I've been watching your messages from the University of California, Irvine. This person said that they were in a very dark place, spiritually low, and somebody came up to them at the college and talked to him and said, you know what you need to do? You need to listen to Don Jackson. So she typed in Google. She found Don Jackson. She's been listening to me ever since. Now, my staff is wonderful. I told him the story on Tuesday. I think it was Ben right away says, I wonder which Don Jackson she was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> certainly not you (laughs) but she ended up with me and she tuned in and she might be watching right now and I know that she watches because she said from the first time I listened to you preach I prayed with you God if there's anything you want me to hear I'm willing to listen And she said I felt like at that moment God grabbed me and gave me a hug It's, it's not up to me I'm not the performer but I have this, God's Word, to give to you. And when I give it to you, God does something by His Spirit in your lives. And it's beautiful. Quite often, teenagers, after speaking at a camp for a week, will come up to me in tears and say, This is what God taught me. And they'll start telling me, and I'll say, I didn't preach about that. <laughs> where, where, where did they get that from? Well, they got it because God's Word was brought, the Spirit. Went in and did the work only the Spirit could do. So I just smile and say, God, thanks for making me effective, but you did the work. Amen. Let's keep going. We have a a charge. I do. I have a charge. It's solemn, it's serious, but it's also simple. Preach the word. Secondly, I have the climate. Paul then says, preach the word, Chapter verse 2 and chapter 4. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they'll gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. This is... A long time ago, Paul was writing on parchment with a little feathered pen and dipping it in in ink. And he's writing in this, probably in a jail somewhere, and he's barely lit. And he's writing this to young Timothy. And he's saying, just so you know, you need to preach the word. Constantly preach the word, but the people will not hear it. Just so you know, they will turn their ears away from you. And I of course we think, boy, he knew what he's talking about today. Today you can get online, listen to any great pastor. You can, you can tune in to this guy or that guy or this woman or that woman. And you can hear preaching. Sometimes good preaching. But we've also become consumers and we like to find people who say the things that we want to hear. Don't you like to? That's what the internet is based on right now. Facebook is find the people who are saying what you want to hear. And if they're saying what you don't want to hear, tell them that they're a fool. <laughs> tell them how much you hate them. That's what goes on today, so divided. We're in a climate where people only want to hear what they believe and think, and they don't want to be challenged. I will tell you that I believe this is true. People that get upset and leave Oakwood, it's not that they don't think the word is preached clear, it's that the word is preached clear, too clear. And they don't want to hear it, they don't want to have it. They don't want to hear that God said this. They don't want to hear it. Follow your elders, because the Bible says to do that. No, no, I want to, but I, but I, that's the killer for any believer. But I, but I think, but I want, but I like. Paul said to young Timothy, the climate you're going to preach in, it's tough. They don't want to hear it. Matter of fact, they'll find somebody else to say. Their little ears are itching, itching, itching to hear what they want to be told. And they can find it, young Timothy. So you can't control that. So just make sure you preach the word. Here's the climate today. Spirituality without spiritual truth. We want spiritualness or spirituality, but we don't want to have an authority. The world wants to have spirituality, but they don't want to have a final authority, a final word. Yeah, but, yeah, but. Yeah, but, again, it's the scariest thing as a pastor, sitting in my office, behind my desk, with the Bible open, somebody comes in to ask me about something, and I tell them what the Word says, and they look me right in the eye and say, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, 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 I know it says that, but, so-and-so in California on the internet said that, that we were just misunderstanding that, and it's fine, it's fine. Or that was, yeah, yeah but, but yeah Paul was, he was a misogynistic person, and he, he didn't like women, and, and so anything he says has nothing to do with, preach the word. Preach the word. It's God's word. I believe this is infallible. I believe it's inspired. God breathed it out. I believe we can trust in it, but I believe we must submit to it. Amen? So preach the word, preacher, even if the climate is in season or out of season. Preach the word. He goes on then to say the next two words, chapter four, verse five, but you, young Timothy, but you, even though they're going to be not wanting to hear the word and they're going to be convicted by what it says, but you, and then he gives them a challenge or the commitment he's asking him for, the charge, the climate, the commitment Verse 5, but you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. What is he saying? I think what he's saying to young Timothy, keep on keeping on, young man. Get up and preach the word. Then get up and preach it again. Do it again. Do it again. Keep on being a pastor. In season and out of season, popular or unpopular, preach the word, discharge all the duties of a pastor. And there are many. I was bringing in cases of water from Sam's this week. And there were people, wonderful people here volunteering. They're doing the outdoor yard work. They're they're beautiful, by the way. That team that Keith Monroe has put together doing great work. And one of the ladies was there as I was hauling in water. And she's like, "Uh, excuse me. Is that what pastors do? (laughs) I'm like, yes, when we want a break, we go to Sam's and buy water because it's easy. (laughs) I put it in my truck, I bring it, I back it into the door, and I carry it inside, and I love it because I can get that one right. Nobody's complaining. And she's like, I just didn't know pastors did that too. You know what? Yes. Yes, there's no right or wrong answer. Paul told Timothy, discharge all the duties last week. Went and spoke to the family. Lost a four-year-old to drowning. That's one of the duties, and it's hard. This past week, I married a young couple, not so young, a middle-aged couple, and I loved it. That's fun. There's fun duties. There's hard duties. There's water duty. You know what? And I just trust that Paul knew what he was saying when he said, do it. Do it, Don. Do it. Keep doing it. Keep on keeping on. Timothy, Titus, all y'all, keep on. On keeping on. Say it for me. Tell me, would you? Keep, keep on, keeping on just keep on. The commitment that's required. And then Paul, I love what he does here. Let's finish verse six to the end. And he gives his example. He says, Hey young Timothy, I'm not just talking to you stuff. I did it. Here's what he says, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Amen. Amen. Paul's telling a young pastor, I did it. I kept on keeping on. And yes, it was hard. I was shipwrecked. I was stripped naked, thrown in jail. I was beaten. I was starved. Bitten by snakes twice should have died. Got coronavirus and lived through it. Paul said, I'd done it all. Young Timothy, I did it all. And I kept doing it all. I did not quit. Keep on keeping on, young man. I love that example. Pastor Spencer in Battle Creek, who's my mentor, called me yesterday on the phone. Don, are you really having a wedding this Friday? Yes, Pastor. We're, my daughter Emily, we're celebrating her wedding. She, I married her in my backyard, but we're going to do the official show. The, you know, the dresses were bought, people. We got to do it, right? So she's going to walk down the aisle. Mom's got their dress. She's going to walk. I got a new suit. I get to walk her down the aisle. Grandparents are going to be there. Yeah, we're doing the whole show. I get to stand up and do the vows, and instead of do you, I'm going to say, did you? And then I'm going to look at the other one and say, how are they doing on that, by the way? It's going to be fun. Pastor Spencer called, Don, are you really doing that wedding? Yep, I'll be there. I hope you're going to be there, Pastor. I love you. Love that man, a man who did it. He did the work of ministry for many years. And he's waiting for his call to go home, like my friend Pastor Steve. He did it, and he did it, and he kept doing it, and he kept doing it. He didn't quit. He kept on keeping on. And Steve went home to his reward and glory, amen? And the father said, well done, Steve. Thank you. You preached the word in season and out of season. Good job, my faithful servant and pastor Bob went to be home with his Savior, and he received his final reward. God said, welcome home, Bob. You did it. You just kept on keeping on. Yes, I sent you to that crazy little white church with mice, rodents all over the place, and a couple of people still there. I sent you to be their pastor right out of college, Bob. And what happened? You grew up a people, you grew up a people, you loved a family, you turned them into a family, I gave you a mice-infested rotten building with a few people, and you built it, and then you moved over here, and you built something bigger, and you built it, oh, thank you, Bob, well done, my good and faithful servant, their reward, and we Younger pastors, I can't say young anymore, younger pastors honor that, need to honor that. Oh, the shame of coming into a place and getting rid of the guy. The shame of coming in and and just, we don't need you, we don't like you, you're older, not. No, no, honor. Honor the servant who came before you. Honor the one who did it faithfully. Honor the one who kept on keeping on. Watch out, people, I want to preach this today. I have a soft spot for pastors. And I pray that one day I'll be that old guy. And I pray some young buck will come from the other side of the state and say, I'm just one of the pastors. And love that guy who served you for 40. Love him. And love this guy who has been lowered. and Love him. I hope somebody's going to do that for me someday. The people. We'll move on. The people. Titus 2, 11 through 14. I'm going to follow the same... Kind of outline as I was watching and trying to put together a message today. I realized that Paul spoke to pastors and he gave them these three things. The charge. He gave them the climate that it was going to be done in. And he told them about the commitment that was required. And then as I read Titus, it's there. He gives the charge first to the people, to you all. Verses 11 and 12. For the grace of God, we're in Titus 2. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no. It teaches us to say no. The charge first here for you is negative. Say no to ungodliness and worldliness. What is your charge? Your charge today is to say no to ungodliness and say no to worldliness. But there's a positive charge too. We are also called to live upright, self-control, godly lives. That's your charge. People, the pastor must obey his word. You must obey his word. And God's word tells you to say no to ungodliness and worldliness and to say yes to living upright, godly lives, self-control. There's also a climate there. It's interesting, you find it just like he told pastors, there's a climate in which you're going to preach the word. It says in verse 12, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright lives, godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. What is the climate that you're supposed to be saying no to ungodliness in? And what you're supposed to be living upright in? The climate is right here, right now, until then. Until then is the coming of the Lord. So you're in this time frame right now. You were born in these years. This is when you live. And this applies to you today. You today, 2020, you're to live a godly life, upright, self-controlled, saying no to ungodliness and worldliness. That's how you're to live, right here, right now, until then. Right here, right now, until then. Say it with me. Right here, right now, until then. No exemptions, don't you love that? Paul told you the climate, and here it is. I'm preaching to people that don't want to submit to his word. You're living in an environment that doesn't want to acknowledge God. And you're to live godly, which means you're going to be different. That's your call, that's your charge. It's. Go ahead and show a show, show of hands here. How, how many of you find it difficult at times to follow Jesus in a world that doesn't recognize him? It's hard. Amen? Yeah. It's hard. People say, well, why would you do that? why would you you go to church on Sundays during coronavirus in the summer why aren't you on the boat why aren't you in the cabin there's nothing wrong with the boat in the cabin by the way nothing wrong with that you just get one weekend to do that the rest of you got to be here <laughs> or go Friday and Saturday I, I don't know but why would you do that Christian why would you go to church why, why would you why would you do that why, you're the only person that doesn't cuss and swear. My wife has had several jobs over the years, and every environment she goes into, they know she's a pastor's wife, and she's kind of marked. And, and they struggle, because when she's in the room, they're like, Argh. you know, they start telling the story. I'm not, oh, oh, oh. Sometimes people actually say, Julie's, Julie's, here. Julie's here. And that's okay. You might get frustrated, but guess what? You're the light. The darkness has to flee when the light appears. And so being light means the room changes. I always joke about the people that I walk up to at funerals or open houses. And they're all sitting around laughing and talking and smoking. And, and, and no, I'm not picking on people who smoke, but uh, they'd be smoking. And somebody would come and introduce me. Hey, this is Pastor Don. And they put the cigarette behind their back. I just find that so funny. I'm like, I was standing here for 10 minutes. I saw you smoking. You know, I just want to tell them, by the way, there's a plume of smoke coming up out of your head. I know why it's there. Either that or you're on fire. You know, and I just laugh. I just laugh. It's silly nonsense. But people are uncomfortable around a, a, a pastor. Oh, my. Oh, my. That's the climate. You're to live upright right here, right now, until then. No escape clause. It goes on from there. 14, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. What is the commitment? I love this commitment. It's, he died for me. I'll live for him. That's your motto. That's your mantra. And yes, those of you who love the 80s Christian rock and roll, that was and Key's album. He died for me, I'll live for him. I've got it on a patch, on a coat. He died for me, I'll live for him. He died for me, I'll live for him. He died for me, I'll live for him. Paul says, right there, when he talked about the great and glorious appearing of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. He died for us. To redeem us. And to purify us. A people that are his own, eager to do what is good. What is that? He died for me? I'll live for him. I am bought with a the price. Therefore, glorify God with your bod. That's what scripture teaches us. It's for the pastor. It's for the people. Christopher Card, if you would come, I'd ask the band to come as we close today. We're going to do something a little different. But as people are making their way and joining me here on stage, I just remind us all, That it's his word. Amen. This word is central. Please don't make Sunday mornings the only time you're in it. Get in it Monday through Saturday. Listen to the preaching of the word. But then dig deeper and go in and read more. Be a people of the word. Be a people of the word. That's what your pastor desires for you. And know this. Your pastor is basing everything that he does in ministry upon The Word of God. It's God's Word for pastor and people.